Football MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Industry Seating. It is Sunday, May 30th, 2021, and we are officially underway Focus Oil Pro Motocross. Pretty exciting day yesterday. I was not there. I was on my couch downstairs. I have this little uh, little theater room set up where I can watch the races, and it was pretty enjoyable, I must say. And I was joking with my buddy Mike that you know the greatest thing about not going to the races is that when the race is over... You just turn the TV off and go about your day where when you're at the race, it's great. I love being there. I will be there next week at Thunder Valley. But when the race is over next Saturday, I have to schlep myself across Denver. Uh, Hopefully there will be no traffic. I usually get out of there pretty quickly and then, you know, fight my way through TSA and get on a plane, show up Saturday night, get home pretty late and get into my bed, you know, 10, 11, 12 midnight, something like that. So it's, it's kind of a push pull. Obviously, uh, there are a lot of pros and cons. I will enjoy myself going to Denver. It's one of my favorite races, but again, yeah, just turning off the race and, uh, yeah, going on a bicycle ride or going to dinner or whatever was, was certainly pretty nice. It was fun to get back to racing though. Having that month long break and all the hype and the lead up and the anticipation of Lucas Oil Promotocross, I felt it. It was cool. I was, I was excited to watch racing and you get a little bit, uh, I think you just get numb to the races a little bit when they just keep coming. You know, you get 17 rounds of Supercross, you get 12 rounds of Motocross. And once you get in the rhythm of the series, there's still excitement. I, I still wake up on, you know, Saturday mornings and I'm excited, but but not like those openers. It's just hard to replicate that. Before we get too far into this, I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast. Pirelli Tires, Plum Creek Funding, Guts Racing, Fast Foundry, Works Connection, Blenzol Oils, Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia, 612 Suspension, Grant Stone Boots, Pro Glow Wash, and Fly Racing. And I'll have some more information on those guys in a little while. But as far as the racing went, 250 class, I mean, what more can you say about Jet Lawrence? Just an unbelievable performance from him. And I don't know where most people come down. I mean, everybody's excited about what Jet's going to do. I mean, that's, that's obvious. And if you're not, you're just missing the boat. But how far do we go with the hype game on Jet Lawrence? You know, he's in his second full year. He did race a couple of the outdoors in uh, 2019. So technically, I guess, would say the third half season or whatever you want to do. But he's been racing outdoors for a minute here. And he goes out and he wins the opener, goes uh, 2-1, beats Jeremy Martin, who is a two-time champion in this class. But we're just having some great debates behind the scenes, myself, Steve Mathis, uh, Daniel Blair, about 
where this comes down, like he, is he a generational talent or not seems to be the real question and, and where we're arguing back and forth. Regardless of any, any of that though, just an incredible ride from him and it, it looks so bright, right? His future is just so bright and anything's possible. And, and I, I've been arguing with, again, Daniel Barry, literally as we speak, we're in a text battle right now. But I can't argue the fact that he's going to win championships, especially in this 250 class. I think arguing against that would be silly. I just don't know where that, where does that go? You know, we, we've seen so many guys that have fit this bill of generational talent that Daniel Blair keeps harping on. I think you could put Damon Bradshaw there. Remember how many big bike titles he had? That was a zero. Kevin Windham was in the same vein. Remember how many big bike titles he had? That would be zero. Robbie Raynard. And some of these are going back to maybe a time that some of you listeners don't remember. A lot of you will. You know, all these guys had to hype. They came in and they won right away. They were winning outdoor motos. They were battling for Supercross wins right away at 16, 17 years old. No differently than Jet Lawrence. And they have zero big bike titles to show for it. So I think jumping to conclusions is just problematic. And it's not to say he won't. Of course he can. Everything is in place for him too. He's going to have the equipment. He's going to have the support. He certainly looks to have the ability, but things happen in the sport. You know, injuries get in the way and circumstances and, and, you know, just, just things have a way of happening at times. So I'm just not a person that really likes to put the cart in front of the horse per se, but none of that really matters in this real conversation for now. I think he's just phenomenal at this point and he deserves all the credit in the world and let his career play out on its own terms, right? Don't put this pressure and and start putting labels on him that are not fair to ask of a 17-year-old kid. In any case, he's great. We'll see what happens. Just let his future play out and, and don't put these irrational labels on him. That's all I'm saying. Talking to you, Daniel Blair. Second place was Jeremy Martin, and he was awesome. Good job by J-Mart. Good ride. Wins the first moto. I don't think there's anything he should be worried about as far as that first round. I thought he showed up. He performed. He put a little bit of the injury concerns to rest, and I think it sets up nicely for him to make a run at this championship. I have him as my favorite to win this title. I think on these tracks, he's raced a million times, and he knows how to win a title. And I just think Jet will have a few bad days. He's just so young, and there, there's so much he doesn't know yet and decisions he hasn't had to face yet that I, I just like where that kind of comes down for J-Mart. But we'll see, right? We don't know. I mean, if Daniel Blair is right and, and Jet is this otherworldly talent that's going to turn into a multi-time 450 champion, then maybe he runs away with this series. It's certainly possible. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility. I just tend to lean on the experience that J-Mart's going to have on what I consider the best motorcycle in the class as well. So nice for J-Mart. He's going to move into some tracks that I think suit him better. I do not believe that this Paula track is anything close to where he shines at all, which, uh, which makes his performance yesterday all the more impressive and sets him up all the, all the better moving forward. Justin Cooper, not a bad day. It's kind of what I expected from him. He went five, three and you know, he gets those good starts. He's on a great bike. It's on a track. He rides all the time. And I really think this is what you're just going to see from Justin Cooper season. I don't think he's going to be the fastest guy in the series very often, but I think you'll see a lot of podium finishes. He does a great job of putting himself in positions to succeed but 
I just feel like he is more oftentimes than not going to be in the bridesmaid role of this series along with a couple other people. And, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. He just won a Supercross championship, so good for him. That That's great. But when you really look at who he's got to race against, who he has raced against in the past, I just don't think he is the best guy, nor will he be. And I don't mean that to be a slight against him. I really don't. I just think that's reality. Saying that someone is not the best guy in the class doesn't have to be an insult. And I, and I don't mean it that way. Uh, I just see him being right there, uh, but just not quite good enough to win consistently against the competition he's got. And who knows, injuries happen, things happen. But, you know, I, I just think there are going to be guys that are better than him. And and that may play out even more as we go into other tracks. You know, I think this track is a good one for him. They ride there every Tuesday. And But I, at the end of the series, I do expect him to be top five in points. That's for sure. No, no question about that. Austin Forkner, decent day. Not too crazy. I thought it was impressive that he set that fast lap time in the first uh, time practice there. That was a nice tone setter for his return. And then, yeah, just the starts weren't there. And, you know, 35-minute motos are a long time. But not a bad day. And I thought he was smart to put that interview out there uh, that, you know, they broadcast during the show saying he just wants to take steps forward, right? Get a top 10. And, you know, if if a top 10 is the the result at the first round, which it was, Take a step forward at Thunder Valley, get a top five, you know, and then if you accomplish that, then aim for a podium at the next round and then then aim for the win. And I think if you're methodical like that and you keep the goals realistic, then you, you have a chance of finding success and you don't put too much pressure on yourself too early. So we'll see if he's able to make good on that process that he laid out for us. I just like the way that is. I like whoever... Is structuring that for him? Maybe he came up with that. I don't know, but I'm assuming someone wiser and older that's been through this stuff is probably, you know, kind of trying to keep goals in check and make sure that there is a path to success. Because if you go into a series and you're like, it's, you know, pass fail is win lose, right? If you don't win, it's fail. It's really easy to get down on yourself and feel like you're underperforming and letting people down. And I think that's a dangerous path to go down, especially coming off an injury. So, Good day for him. Take steps forward. Improve as we move through the series. Max Volan, not bad, right? That was pretty damn impressive, to be honest. I did not see him running around leading laps or anything of the sort. So he certainly caught my attention. We'll see how it goes moving forward in new tracks that he really hasn't raced before, if, if he can maintain that pace. And I think the starts will be the most critical factor. These amateur kids, when you give them a good start, all they know is winning. They only know getting the whole shot and running away from the field. That's that's what they've been programmed to do just by default because they've been doing it for years and years. And we've seen that all the all these guys that move up, we just see it time and time again. You give an amateur rider that just moves up, you give him a whole shot and he just sprints away because that's what he's used to doing. I think the the situation will be a little different. You put him in traffic, you have him start 20th and all of a sudden he's battling I don't just pick guys, right? Colt Nichols and Pierce Browns and all these guys that are crazy talented in their own right that happen to get a bad start. And life becomes a lot more difficult. I just don't think he's going to rip through the pack and show up in the top five again if he gets a poor start. That's just a little bit too much to ask in my opinion, but you give him a good start and I think you'll continue to see what you saw is him run around the front. Maybe not lead half the moto like he did, but certainly run around the front and 
like I said, that's just what he has experience with doing it. And the rest will be a learning process. There's going to be some tough motos. I have no doubt about that. That's just the learning process that all rookies have to go through. But I thought it was a fantastic opening weekend from Voland. I just thought he overperformed for certainly my expectations, but I think really everyone's expectations. And the last rider I wanted to mention was Hunter Lawrence, Jet's brother. Pretty good day, but not the championship winning day that I think a lot of people expected. You know, his brother stole the limelight. I do think Hunter will win motos though. I, I, I think that's a shoe in as long as he can stay healthy. I just wonder if he's going to be in this championship fight when we're halfway and we're kind of looking back on where we sit to that point. I don't know. I'm hesitant, as you can hear. I don't know that I've made my mind up on that, which I know is, a, is great radio and a great podcast. You know, I'm, I'm the one that's supposed to have an opinion here, but I just don't know. I could, pu- I could make an argument for both cases that he's going to improve from here. You know, I, I think his skill set works better as we go east and maybe we face some inclement weather. I think that will help him. But at the same time, I, I would have liked to see more from him at that opening round. I would like to see him kind of establish himself as a real player in the class. I'm just not sure where I, where I come down quite yet. So we'll circle back to that. Again, I know I'm supposed to have an opinion. I just I haven't formed it quite yet. I want to leave myself a little wiggle room to, uh, to kind of change my opinion on Hunter Lawrence's season. So we're going to jump into, oh, one more note. I wanted to mention Michael Moseman. I thought he did a great job yesterday. I was pretty harsh on Michael Moseman and just his racecraft at the last few Salt Lake rounds because I, I believe he should have won certainly the, the penultimate round. And then I think he could have been right there in the mix to win the finale as well. Maybe he wouldn't have beat Jet. Jet was phenomenal. But his results did not indicate how good he was riding at those final few rounds. And I, I thought it kind of did at this uh, this opening outdoor round. So good for him way to bounce back. And maybe this sets the tone for a great summer for him. I, I just liked everything I saw from his riding and uh, his ability to move forward. So nice job from him. And I, and I like to give credit where credit's due because there's so much in this sport that is, we harp on negativity all the time and we criticize and, and, and I'm as guilty of that as anyone. So when someone is doing it well, and it's kind of it's still flying under the radar, cause I don't think he got a lot of, you know, fanfare for that result but I think he deserved a lot of credit and uh, yeah, I'm here to give it to him. So let's jump into our power rankings. We always do the top 10 in the 450 class for those of you who may not have listened before. And really, you know, the power rankings are a way for me to have placeholders to talk about people. I don't want you to think I'm, you know, putting too much into it as far as like condemning someone if they're not in the top 10 or maybe on the backside of the top 10. I don't want it to be some sort of harsh penalty for moving backwards, but there is some weight to it. And I think this week's are are going to be a little bit controversial, not that anybody cares, but they were a little bit controversial to me when I was building them. You know, I live alone, hanging out by myself, right? Making the notes for this. And I was arguing with myself vocally that that might be concern, a reason for concern. You might want to, I might want to call somebody about that, but I was arguing internally about where to put these guys because we have a lot of evidence on both sides. We have this super cross season we just wrapped up where we had so many trends and things we thought we knew. And then we got all this new data at the opening round of outdoors that was contradictory in a lot of ways. So I had to wrangle all of that together. And I, I look at big picture with these power rankings as far as 
recency, I, I do use recency bias some, uh, but I also look at the whole season that we, we have a lot of information from, and I, I don't want to get all wrapped up into one round. So a lot to put together there and a lot to work through, but this is where I came down. So number 10, uh, Zach Osborne, who is your defending Lucas Oil Pro Motocross champion? Didn't have a great day. 13-5 is, I don't believe what he, what he thought he was walking into for Paula. I, I think maybe fifth in the second moto was more likely of a, a result. I know he doesn't care for this track all that much. He doesn't believe that it really suits his strengths. You know, a, a 75 degree day on a track that he doesn't really ride that often comparatively to the other guys doesn't bode all that well for him. But that first moto, what there wasn't much good to, to say about that. 13th is certainly not what he should be doing. Uh, the second moto was fifth is, is better though. That's, that's realistic of an expectation and it's something he can certainly build from. And, and it was a nice bounce back. You know, you only get, I'm going to say 45 minutes. Uh, you know, you get time to cool down, get some fluids in, you may be an energy bar and you're right back to the, to the staging area. So there isn't a lot of time to re kind of regroup and mentally recover. As far as if you have a really bad moto, you just got to fight your way through it and get back out there. So it's nice to see him bounce back into, uh, into that fifth and number nine, Marvin Muscan. And I didn't really know what to do with Marvin, but I feel like this ninth place is okay. You know, he had a really great final two rounds to the Supercross series. I had moved him up significantly in the Supercross power rankings. And then he kind of has this average day at Paula at the opening round where he really wasn't on TV kind of at all. I don't even know that I saw him. He still puts in top 10 results. It was okay, you know, on that front, but it wasn't anything phenomenal by any means. He didn't jump off the page. He didn't even jump onto the screen, like I mentioned. So I have him at nine and I don't really have any conviction behind it. I don't have all of these defining reasons as to why he should be number nine. It just kind of felt like a nice landing spot for him. And we'll see, we'll see where that trend goes. Maybe he moves up, maybe he moves back after Thunder Valley. Yeah. Maybe he moves forward or back is just compelling. That's just compelling information. I know at number eight though, I have Jason Anderson and I thought Jason Anderson was going to win one of the supercross rounds. He did not, but I thought Paula was great. He go, I think he went 10-4, and that's going off memory, but I'm pretty sure he went 10-4. And that's Sakamoto to get fourth on a really demanding track when everybody was probably feeling it. That first round, you're always feeling it in between motos, and you get back out there. That second moto, your back's hurting, you're tired, your hands are probably blistered, a little bit anyway, uh, just because you're holding on a lot tighter than you would you know, practicing. There's just a lot of physical challenges at the first round that will get easier. <clears throat> they certainly get easier. Your body recovers and responds very quickly. And, and, uh, the days become a little bit less brutal, uh, depending on the weather, the weather can play a, certainly a, a big factor in that. But the first round is a, is a pretty tough test, um, uh, mentally and, and more physically. So for him to get a fourth in that second moto told me a little bit, I, I thought it was impressive. I, I really liked what I saw in it. And, uh, if he can hang it out, you know, and stick around through this whole motocross series, maybe he does find a way to get another moto win like he did at Loretta's last year. Number seven, I have Barsha, and I don't know if this is fair. Barsha should probably be higher, but when you get into the guys in front of him, you'll see where my challenges are. But Barsha was damn good at Paula, and his Supercross season was really good as well. He, he did kind of fall off the back a little bit towards the end of Supercross, but 
he he probably should be higher up on this list, and I'm I'm probably doing him a disservice here. Thankfully, it doesn't mean anything, but I just want to make sure that that it comes across that I I was impressed by Barsha's riding, and if he shows up at Thunder Valley and he's battling for podium moto finishes again, I'm I'm going to crank him up the list pretty quickly. I'm just making that commitment now. Number six, I have Aaron Plessinger, and. I think six is fair for him. You know, he went four, two on the day. He could certainly move into the top five with another good result. But you look at the lap times, you look at how far they were ahead of the rest of the pack in the second moto, and he deserves all of the accolades. You know, I really thought he was going to go get Roxon and win that moto. That's what I believed. And I don't know if he made a conscious decision to back it down or he just got a little tired or just kind of looking at the track and like, I, I don't really want to take the chances it's going to take to pass rocks in here. But you could kind of see him decide that he had had enough. He was looking around. He made a big mistake and then he was kind of looking behind him. And then you really never saw him make another run whatsoever. Like that was it. He kind of waved the white flag there as far as going for the win. But still a really impressive day. Uh, 4-2 is, is a very strong opening performance. As we know, well, as the rumors say, he will be switching over to Red Bull KTM. And uh, yeah, I just like I like the trend and the trajectory that his career has uh, has shifted to. He's just kind of on this improvement curve that, that bodes very well for him. Number five, I have Eli Tomac. Oh. <sighs> It's getting tough here. I don't know what to do with Tomac. Uh, Supercross season, he gets third in points, but wasn't uh, wasn't that good? I, I don't I don't believe. Um, I thought it was the weakest Supercross season he's had in five years. That that's my opinion. Outdoors last year was very similar to that, where he was kind of just another guy. It wasn't overwhelming. It wasn't underwhelming either, but it was just okay. You know, third in points last summer. He got third at this very national to end the season last year. And that's really the most compelling aspect to me. You had a season where I thought he took a significant step backwards in his performance. And there were a lot of questions about whether it was a Supercross hangover. You know, did he just not quite care as much because he had come off of that monumental Supercross championship? And and we oftentimes see that. I, I think that's what you're seeing out of Cooper Webb right now. We certainly saw it from Webb in 2019. But he still was able to get third in the points and third at Paula last year in the midst of what I felt was an underwhelming season. Then you look at this year and he goes 9-8 at the opening round. That's much worse than third overall for those of you keeping score at home. So I do believe there is reason for concern for Tomac this summer. We know that he's switching teams. He's going to Monster Star Yamaha for 2022. So where is his motivation level? Does he even care? Because I could tell you, if this thing gets away from him, if he has a rough Thunder Valley, I don't think you're going to see a lot of effort from Tomac the rest of the way. I hate to say that because Tomac's one of the all-time greats by every measure, titles, race wins, the domination that he displayed in you know 2017 through 2020 hasn't often been duplicated. You know he was he won three outdoor motocross titles in a row. That's the stuff of legends. So I don't want it to come across as that I'm I'm poo-pooing him at all. I just don't like what I'm seeing in the moment. And maybe, maybe he's already thinking about next year and he's just kind of going through the motions this year. You know, if you look at it in a certain lens, 
you could you could have the take that he's a he's got his second child on the way. He's about to go through this big team change where everything's going to change. The OEM, uh, maybe his practice location. You know, I'm sure he'll have to spend a lot of time at the goat farm because that team bought Ricky Carmichael's practice facility. So there's going to be so much change coming for him in 2022. Maybe he's just looking at this, this season and, and this motocross season as a time to take a deep breath relax a little bit before he puts in this huge push for next year to try to go win again. I don't know. That's just a possibility. And what I'm seeing from him on the racetrack, that could be the case. I'm just trying to find, and I'm trying to legitimize what I'm watching. I'm trying to explain away what I'm watching. Cause I just haven't seen this very much. I saw it last summer. I saw it this spring. I'm seeing it again this summer. And maybe that's just who he is now. I'm not quite there yet. I think he has more in the tank still. I think it's going to come back. The question is just when. Is it going to be anytime soon, or are we not going to see it maybe until he undergoes all this change and gets gets remotivated, has a new challenge, a new team, and uh, maybe gets a chance to recharge the batteries a little bit? We're going to find out, though. It's, it's just an interesting question that I don't think really anyone could answer, unless you know Tomac, unless you know him very well, you're inside his camp, Maybe you could answer it. I, I am not, and I certainly can't. I, I, I am guessing, but I would be guessing if I tried to uh, to really nail it down. Number four, I have Chase Sexton, and it's it's getting dicey. I don't know where to put some of these guys. I, I'm battling a little bit on positioning, but I felt like Sexton earned this. And if you look at how he wrapped up the Supercross Championship, he almost wins. He gets second. It's just a great race. He, he just didn't quite have enough to fight off Cooper Webb in that Salt Lake finale, but his speed and his form and just everything that shines a light towards the future was damn bright. He showed that again uh, on Saturday at, at Paula. And remember he won Paula last year. Uh, so it shouldn't be a shock that he was really fast there again, but I just love the way this is shaping up for him. You can see, you can see him improving. You can see his confidence level growing Every single time he goes out there, both indoors and out, that guy's going to win in this class. It's coming. You know, championships are hard to come by. Only one one person gets, you know, I guess two could each season. So it's a really tall ask, but I think it's coming for him, man. I really do. It just everything about what he's doing screams winning. Uh, so I, I was certainly very impressed. He almost got Ferrandez for the win in that first moto. And then a, you know, a first turn crash was really the only thing holding him back in that second moto. Number three, I have Dylan Ferrandez and he made a pretty big jump. Uh, you remember for Supercross, I'm um, scrolling back here. He ended up the season in ninth for Supercross. So that's a huge jump up to third, but I think he deserves it. He goes out and wins the first round. He wins the opening moto. And then he backs that up with a third in the second moto for the overall win. And you could argue that this is the track he rides all the time. That's fair. It is absolutely the truth. But I kind of don't care. I mean, it's his first 450 motocross race ever, and he wins. So I'm just going to throw out any you know ifs, ands, or buts, or excuses you want to put in there, or, or try to kind of explain it away. Again, I, I'm, I'm out. Uh, I'm just pushing him up to third. I think he earned it. And I think he's going to be a force. Do I have him winning the championship? I don't. But I think he's going to be really good, and I think he's going to be up there many times. I just think he's going to have some bad days too. 
it's a lot to ask for somebody to come in in this class and win the motocross championship the first year. We've, we've seen it happen, of course, but it, it doesn't happen often. You know, you need a, you need a, a talent that's going to win multiple titles in most cases, like, uh, Ryan Dungey did it. I believe Villapoto did it. It just doesn't happen, you know, so often. Uh, so I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on, on saying Fernandez is going to win a run away with this title, but pretty damn impressive. Uh, I think you have to say that and you have to give him a lot of credit for what he did on Saturday. Number two. Ken Roxon stays at number two and man, did anybody see that moto win coming? Cause I certainly didn't. I would have bet a significant amount of money that he was not winning a moto at Paula. So kudos to him. Kudos to everybody who believed in him. I think he surprised himself in that second moto. He sounded pretty, I don't want to say down, but I think he was, uh, he was really managing expectations to say the least. Uh, going into the weekend. He just really didn't have a great lead into the season as far as testing and practice. But that's what happens, you know, when you get a hole shot and, you know, the track is really sketchy where no one's able to really push the envelope and take a lot of chances. Roxon did what he, you know, what he needed to do. He put in really good laps at the beginning. He was putting in 219s, which only he and Plessinger were able to do 219s. And then, you know, once he kind of broke Plessinger at a little, you know, halfway or a little past that, he just kind of cruised. There wasn't really a whole lot of fight from anybody, which isn't, uh, isn't all that rare at the first round. People are trying to sort through some things, but I, I give him a lot of credit for fighting through any sort of mental challenges and doubting himself whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, once again, once he fought off Plessinger there was, it was kind of an easy moto win. So I really more question where this season is going for him. I don't know. I, I would have said on Friday that it's going to be a really tough summer and I don't expect much. And I still may end up being right. You know, when it gets hot and the conditions are at their toughest, will Ken Roxon's body allow him to perform to his highest level? I don't know. I don't think so. I'll even go out and say on a whim and say, I don't think so. That I don't believe that's necessarily his fault either. You can't always control what, how your body's going to respond. Don't, no matter how prepared you are, I've been in the, some of the best shape, you know, times of my life in the best shape. And I've had difficulties with heat at times. Now, other times I really performed well in the heat and I loved it when it was hot, but there were a few rounds where I overheated, uh, Millville 2006, I believe the first moto, I think it was Oh six. It was one of those years, but I believe Oh six, I was overheating in the first moto. I kind of came around and snapped out of it, but heat was something that I prided myself on performing in. And, and my body was just like, no, we're, we're too hot here. Like you got to slow down uh, and you got to recover a little bit. So you never know. And I think that's what happens with Roxon is he can't control any of that. It doesn't matter how hard he trains or how much riding he does. Cause I think he's incredibly fit. You look at, just look at him, look at how vascular is. And you look at the, the running he does, he'll go on a 10 mile run, like no problem. I, I've seen it. No issue whatsoever. He can rip off 35 minute motos practicing. No problem. But you put him into a race where it's 90 degrees and all the adrenaline and pressure and all those things and your body doesn't always respond how you want it to. So we'll see. He's one of those guys where I just don't have any answers. I have certainly more questions for this summer than I do answers. And number one, uh, I think this is probably the most controversial. I still have Webb. I still have Webb at number one. And 
I'm going to judge harshly at Thunder Valley if he doesn't do well. I'm going to move him back quickly and substantially if he doesn't perform. I just weight the Supercross Championship so much that I think it takes a lot to move me off of what he showed me in Supercross. So not a good day, not a good performance at uh, Paula at all in any way. Certainly the, the start was good. He was winning the damn race, but then he went backwards both motos and really had nothing for anyone. So I'm leaving him at one. I don't feel great about it. I just think he deserves it for one more round. And then if he goes out there and he's running around in 10th again at Thunder Valley, I'm dropping the hammer and I'm sure he is super fearful of my power rankings. A lot of sarcasm insert lots of sarcasm there, but I think he's going to have to move down and move down very, very quickly. Uh, you know, Steve Matheson, I've argued about a lot about this, about how he is going to do this summer. I didn't think he was going to do all that much. I didn't expect much. I just think once you win the supercross championship, I think you just kind of like, uh, you take this big sigh, right? You take this huge exhale of relief that your season being defined as a success, you're done. Like you're good. So I don't think you have to put in just monumental effort and, and completely dedicate every second of your life to motocross after you win that, like your job is done, like mission accomplished for the 2021 season. And I think that just plays out in summer. And I think you'll have, see him have a few good motos, some not so good motos, which we already have two of those. Steve was more on the side of, you know, he thinks that Webb is going to be determined to prove that thesis wrong. And he's going to want to show up and go get that 450 motocross title. Cause that's one thing he doesn't have. If he's going to do it, he better turn it around. Cause that was a, that was a pretty bad day uh, at the office for Webb. And he, and he was pretty forthcoming on his social media. He said that it was, that was not anything that he felt like was uh, a fair representation of what he's capable of. So it's up to him now, if he wants to turn this thing around, I, I'm just going to stay on the side of, uh, a decent summer, but nothing to write home about. So that's the top 10. The one honorable mention I'm going to throw in here. And I, I had him in the top 10. I moved him out. I had him in the top 10. I took him out again is Adam Cincerillo. And the reason I have him out is because he didn't finish Supercross. He, he got injured as we know, hurt himself. I'm trying to think what race that was. He broke his collarbone. Can't really can't remember now. Breaks his collarbone. He's out for the series. Was it Arlington? I don't know. It doesn't matter. And then he comes into this series and he's just riding like a bat out of hell. You watch him just throw down heaters in, in qualifying practice, which we know he's capable of. You watch him in that first moto just rip the start and he you're just like, oh dear God, he's going to run away with this thing. And then he gets arm pump and he, and he fades back and he isn't able to, isn't able to get it done. And he crashes, you know, he, he, first thing, I guess he crashed first, you know, he goes over the bars and then he gets arm pump on top of that. And it just wasn't a good result. I think he got 11th overall. And so when you look at his supercross season, he gets injured, he sits out, he's not in the power rankings. Then you go to motocross and he's winning the race. And then he's still unable to finish in the top 10 overall, regardless of how fast he can go. I just think I have to leave him out for now. And he is on my watch list. He could, he could jump up quickly. If he goes out there and he's on the podium at Thunder Valley, he's right back in there immediately, like top six, seven, 
maybe fifth, uh, because that that's just the regard that I hold for Adam Cincerello. But I just have to be true to my process here and look at his results and factor in the injury. And yeah, it's just, just not on the list for this week. So questions, you know, how much do we take from round one? That's always something that, you know, people in the media and it's, it's a gr- it's great podcast fodder is where do we come down? Do we draw conclusions from the opener? And I always try not to, it's just, it's a track that doesn't replicate well for the rest of the season. We're going to go East and nothing about Paula is going to feel or look or ride like when we get to tracks like Southwick or Bud's Creek or Ironman or any of those places. They're nothing like Paula in any way, shape or form, weather wise, humidity, dirt content, nothing. Uh, so just keep that in mind. Uh, so I'm, I'm certainly looking at the results. I'm absorbing what I saw with my eyes, but I'm going to be quick to dismiss it. If nothing about that lines up for Thunder Valley and Mount Morris coming up in the next couple of rounds. Another question, do the veterans bounce back at Thunder Valley? Because whether it's Tomac, whether it's Muscan, whether it's Osborne, uh, Anderson was okay. Barsha was okay, but certainly those three Roxon was pretty good. Those, there were a lot of guys that didn't fare well at the first round that, that need to bounce back. They need to establish themselves as still the, the dominant force, right? They are the old guard. They need to make sure that they maintain that level of, or that air of superiority. And, and I think it's in question. I, I think Paula if you want to draw conclusions from Paula, you could walk away saying, well, changing of the guard, just like Steve math has asked on Twitter. He, he didn't say it was, but he posed the question, which I think is a fair question to ask. Is the guard changing? Are we seeing the, the new era be ushered in? And we're going to find out. I don't know. I, I'm not there quite yet, but the Sextons and the Ferrandises and the Plessingers, they're all coming. It's just a matter of when, because I, I, if you watched the race yesterday, I'm sure you did. If you're listening to this podcast, you had to see it. The writing was on the wall. It's just going to be, is it quite yet? I, I don't think so. I think you're going to see a vengeance be served by some of those guys. You know, we get into tracks that aren't such home tracks for a lot of these guys. And, and that's such a big key is the Plessingers and the Ferrandises. They ride that track all the time. Cincerillo as well. They ride there all the time. So many laps they put in on that track. And I just think that's a big, big factor when you look at the results. But we'll see. We'll see if I'm right or wrong on that. I just think we'll see a a nice rebound from some of the more established uh, 450 guys. I have the question written down, and and I'm reading these questions. That's why I'm pausing. But I wrote, what's eating Eli Tomac? And I, of course, took that from what's eating Gilbert Grape, if you, some of you know what that movie was with Leonardo DiCaprio. But what's going on with Tomac? I covered this a little bit already. It was just one of my questions that I want to make sure I reiterated. Is it the the impending team change? Is it, you know, life and priorities shifting, having another child and just getting older and maybe racing isn't everything anymore? It's important, of course, still, but is it is it still everything? And and I don't know. You know, I just I just wonder because I don't I don't see the same Eli Tomac running around the racetrack that we certainly did 18 months ago. I think Thunder Valley is going to be really important for determining trends in both directions. 
if you're one of the people that really don't like to take anything from the opener, then I think you can weight Thunder Valley much more. It's a track that's been on the circuit for a long time. Guys have ridden it. Most of these riders have all ridden it before. And I don't think it's an outlier. You know, the, the elevation is, is something to deal with, but I don't think it changes everything. It's not like, oh, it's mud. You can't take anything from it. I, I think Thunder Valley's one of the middle of the road tracks where everybody feels fairly comfortable and we might just we might be able to start determining some trends of where the series is going leaving Thunder Valley. I want to cover some MotoGP stuff and before I do, I want to mention a few things from some sponsors. Now Pirelli has a new range of Scorpion MX32 mid-soft mini tires that is coming out and that's going to be great for all you guys racing Loretta Lens if you're a parent your child races, maybe you're going to Loretta's, maybe you're racing one of the summer nationals, whether it's, you know, Ponca city or wherever you're going. I think that the mid soft mini tires are a great option because if you look at the guys, whether it's MXGP or here, if you're wanting a good start, you want something super aggressive that has longer knobs and bigger gaps to you're just propelling dirt, right? That's what a tire does in a straight line on a start. It's grabbing handfuls of dirt, and propelling it forward. And the more grip and the more dirt you're firing out the back, the faster you're going to go forward. And you just want something super aggressive, which is what that MX-32 is. That's a tire I raced uh, in my pro motocross career. I used that MX-32. I, I used to take that tire to Europe as well. And it was I just wanted the good start. That's why I used that rear tire. So check that out. Plum Creek Funding. Zach Morris over there, if you want to call him, his number is uh, 720-212-4685. And he wanted me to pass along a uh, mention here that, you know, we all know how hot that the real estate market is right now. I'm actually in the process of selling my rental home in Florida, which I'm super excited about. I'm trying to take advantage of how crazy the market is. I've been holding that house for, shoot, 16 years now. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to finally be, uh, to be getting rid of that headache. But right now you can buy a rental house with 20% down and you can buy a second home that you would obviously not be renting out, but it's your second home with only 10% down. So there's some, some great deals going on out there. And uh, now's the time to act before they start raising interest rates because it's coming. If you listen to the Fed, the, this is the first time last week, the first time that they have mentioned even considering raising interest rates. And that's going to be a slow burn towards a rate hike, but the Fed is very, very cautious with what they say. They know that the wrong word, just one word, can send the market into a tailspin. So they choose their words incredibly carefully, and they were so gentle with how they said this, but it was the first mention of a thought of a move towards raising interest rates. So what does that tell me? That tells me that I need to tell you that you need to act. You need to get a refi done. You need to get your new house purchase, whatever it is in the future that the way you can save money on a house or refi a current property, you need to act because that is going to come. It's going to happen. We're at such a deficit on homes. It's not going to get any better. I think we're like 4 million homes behind of demand right now. And what I mean by that is, you know, they do surveys and they, and they take, all this data and compile it and they look at how many people are in the market to buy a new home and how many available homes are there for sale that are currently either for resale or ready to be moved into. And we're 4 million behind 
what the national demand is. So just take advantage of the opportunities in front of you. Go save a ton of money. I've said this on this podcast many times. The last refi I did, I got down to 4%. That's nothing compared to what you can get now. It saved me $64,000 over the course of my loan. $64,000. That's on that that's on the house that I'm about to sell. And I, I'm actually going to be selling it before you know it matures. But when I, when I looked at the numbers of if I do this refi and I hold it to maturity, which is what most people do, it was going to save me 60 grand. So that's, <clears throat> that's something that you can look into. And, I, and Zach Morris can answer a lot of questions for you. Even if he's not in a state that it, he's licensed for, he can steer you in the right direction and answer questions that you know maybe we don't know. We're not. You know, not all of us are real estate experts out there. Guts Racing. Check out that RJ wide wing seat. It's pretty awesome. Uh, something developed to give you a little bit more grip. Really unique item they have. Uh, you know, technically you're supposed to ride with your legs. <clears throat> your arms should be pretty loose, and your legs should be doing all the work. Well, this RJ wide wing seat is going to give you a lot more leverage and a lot more grip to be able to do so. So it's a really unique item. Rockstar Husky uses this product. You can get that seat. You can go design your own graphics. You can, you know, I, they, uh, they ran a piece on the weed show this weekend where a rider had his own custom graphics. And I won't mention exactly what the graphics were because I don't want to, it was a competing brand of the brand I work for, but it was a perfect example of what you can design. If you want to make a political statement, you want to do whatever you want with your motorcycle, you can do it with guts racing. You can design your own graphics and have your bike looking super sweet on the weekends. Fast Foundry, as we all know, business is tougher than ever in 2021. You need to have your small business or your corporation as efficient as possible, whether it's automating, whether it's just getting help with the IT side. Uh, They are the experts in all of those arenas and just sitting down with uh, Robert Carrico and the crew over there and walking through all the things they're capable of, the projects they worked through in the past, whether it's uh, you know, setting up some sort of event, uh, you know, where you have to have all this digital data collected from people that are attending a convention, anything like that, right there, the applications for what they can do are so broad. Uh, I just love working with really technical companies that are far past my understanding or my expertise. I just learn a lot every time I, I have a conversation about it. And that's what I would encourage you to do. Reach out to Robert and the team at fastfoundry.com and see how they can help you. Work connection. Promo code is JT21 at checkout. Get that Pro Launch Start device. I don't know if you noticed, but both of the Monster Star Yamahas whole shotted the uh, the second moto, Justin Cooper and Jeremy Martin. Will they use a Pro Launch Start device? I don't believe that's a uh, that's a coincidence. Ken Roxon, guess what he uses? Pro Launch Start device. Grabs that lead in the second moto. I don't believe that's a coincidence. So I think the evidence is there. Use the promo code at checkout. Go to at Works Connection on Instagram to see all the other cool items they have. They have tons of stuff, right? I I really like to harp on this Pro Launch Start device, but they really are a class act. Eric Phipps and the team over there have been around forever. You know, they're going on like 30 years since I've been aware of the company. And uh, there's a reason that these companies stick around. If you if you don't do a good job, you don't create quality products. Guess what? You go out of business because no one wants your stuff. So uh, Works Connections, the exact opposite of that. And uh, yeah, it's exciting to, uh, to watch them continually improve and, uh, and grow their footprint in the industry. Blends All Oils, similar story to Works Connection where they've been around forever, but you know, David Schloss and the crew have taken over new ownership and they're trying to 
really crank this thing back up. You know, Blenzel kind of fell out of favor, lost relevancy a bit, and they just weren't getting any push whatsoever. There was almost no marketing, you know, but now they're back. They're sponsoring podcasts and Michael Essie and uh, they were sponsoring Jerry Robin. I'm not sure if that's still going on or whatever, but they're all over the place and they have a great product. They, you know, they're a legendary iconic brand in power sports in general, not even just motocross and supercross, but power sports in general. So check out blendsall.com, go to app blends on Instagram and, and maybe make it, you know, try it out. Maybe make a change in your, uh, your oil and lubricant purchases. So check those guys out. Great, great group. And, uh, yeah, I, I like to see the, the effort and the enthusiasm. And I think that deserves a look. Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia. If you mention the podcast, you will get a 25% discount on all their work. And uh, yeah, if you're re- restoring a bike, if you have vintage bikes, there's a lot of people that got into that in 2020 because of COVID. There was so much time off. I think they are the best choice in Vapor Blasting and you can give them a call and ask for Brandon. 612 Suspension. You mentioned their, this podcast and you get a 20% discount off parts and labor, but they're a race tech affiliates. You're getting quality work, right? If even if you've never heard of 612 suspension, that race tech affiliate, just that alone is going to guarantee that you're getting quality work and all that, you know, whether it's gold valves, or you just want to get your oil change. And that's, you know, I come, I circle back to that quite a bit, <clears throat> but I think it's so important for people. If you just don't know a lot, like you you're new to racing or you just have never done it at a high level, getting your oil changed is everything, you know, Guys that race all the time, especially at a pro level, they get their oil changed every single race, every time. So that should tell you right there how important it is and how much of a performance boost you get having new oil in your suspension. So ask for Ronnie and go to 612suspension.com and at 612suspension on Instagram. ProGlow Wash, the promo code is MOTO15. It is a power sports specific wash. And that's really the difference, I think. If you just go to you know Lowe's or Walgreens and pick up simple green. I don't think you're really doing yourself a service there because that that's really general. You want power sports wash that is supposed to take off road grime and, and all of the weird dirt that you might encounter across the country. And if you listen to the industry seating podcast from the Arlington supercross this past season, you will hear an interview with Ryan Humphrey from pro action fluids, who is the parent company of pro glow wash. And he can explain to you exactly why you should be using Progo Wash and, and the differences. What it's it's you know the the science behind it and how it's going to get off those that film that that weird dirt can leave on your motorcycle. You know I, I've raced all over the world and just dirt leaves different grime and crap on your bike. And I've washed my bike before. You know I, tracks in Florida. There's weird like oily surfaces, and you wash your bike and there's just just like black film all over. You're like what the hell? I just washed this thing. Well, that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that Progo Wash is going to take off because it's purpose built for things like that, for hard to remove grimy substances and, and uh, especially like chain lube. That's another one too. Like chain lube gets everywhere. It slings off the chain and onto your wheel. You want to get that crap off there. Use something like Progo Wash. Use promo code MOTO15 to, uh, to save yourself some money. Grandstone boots. Got to wear my Grandstone boots on Friday night. Went out to dinner. I was looking sharp if I don't say so myself. Uh, go check out grandstoneboot.com. I'm going to order me some uh, some boots. I was checking out these ones the other day. They're like an ostrich skin. They are freaking phenomenal. They're sold out right now, which is a bummer. But they have such cool products. They have belts, wallets, all kinds of great things. You can go to at grandstoneboot.com or uh, excuse me on Instagram and uh, check out all the products there. But really, really impressive offering they have. And 
you know, I've got to watch that company from the ground up and shoot, it's been, man, five, six, seven years now. And to see where they were and the offering and the collection that they have now is, uh, it's truly impressive. So, so congrats to Wyatt and the team over there on launching such an impressive brand. Fly racing, of course, that's where I work. I don't have to go there tomorrow, get tomorrow off, go back in on Tuesday, but we are, uh, we are in the midst of getting ready for our 2022 season. So that's exciting, but it's a busy time right now. I'm going to, uh, going to Vegas in like 10 days to start selling the line there as well. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to showing everybody what we have in store for 2022. I do want to touch on MotoGP before I, before this gets away from me, before we log off. And those of you who you already turned this off because you didn't want to learn, listen to the commercials. Well, guess what? You're not going to hear my MotoGP thoughts. And I'm sure that is just, just devastating news, right? But I want you guys to listen to the commercials. There's information there. People are they're making contributions to this podcast to try to reach all of you, the customers. So thank you for listening to them. And now let's jump into MotoGP. I only have a couple notes here, but Fabio Carteraro is a bad dude. And, and that's not shocking news, but if you're watching, if you've been watching this season, you can see what's happening. You can see him taking this series by storm. Like he is establishing himself as the man to beat in this series, and I think guys like Mark Marquez or anyone who thinks that they are in the running for this championship, they better act quickly, whether it's Peko Bagnaya or whoever. You better do something, and you better do it now because Fabio's confidence is growing by the day, and good luck wrangling it back. You know, he got that arm pump surgery. It doesn't feel like he's going to have these mental meltdowns that really plagued him last season, and that's I think that's an age thing, right? He's getting a little older. He's really young. But man, is he impressive. And I've been watching that kid since he was 15 in the Moto3 class. I didn't think he was going to be this good. I knew he was incredible. Like he was a phenom, but I think he's going to be your 2021 MotoGP champion. And I really don't think it's going to be close. I'm kind of curious to see when Marquez gets back to form. But to back that question up, is he going to get back to form? I don't know, man. His arm doesn't seem good. Just he's having issues with it. He's having to get fluid removed. We know all the surgeries he's had on it. I thought he was going to bounce back quickly. I thought he'd be winning by now. I really did. And I, and I think he would have won at Portimao. Or wh- where the hell was it? Was it Portimao? Wherever they were. They're, they're racing the rain. I should know that. Uh, it wasn't Portimao. It was the, the race just before that. I thought he was going to win. He was not able to. Maybe Catalonia? sorry, I should know that, but, um, he would have won there if he didn't crash. And I think he took a pretty significant step backwards physically and mentally there by throwing that race away. He was really nowhere near the pace this weekend. Um, not a horrible race for him, but you know, he crashes again. He's got to figure out why he's crashing. I think he's just trying too hard. I I really do. Uh, is a pretty iconic race. It would have been a pretty big statement for him to win there. But he just throws it away again. And I'm a, I'm a huge Marquez fan, so I'm fighting through this narrative where I don't know where this is going. I don't know that he's ever going to regain the form that we saw. You know, he's older. I think he's is he 26 or 28 now. And all the trials and tribulations his body's gone through, he's been pretty forthcoming with the challenges that that has presented physically. I just hope he can get back there. Cause I want to see him battling with Fabio. I want to see him back to his winning ways. 
maybe not dominating the way he was where you just it's just a foregone conclusion that he's going to win every time because that gets a little boring. But please let Marquez get back to championship winning form because I just think he brings so much to this series if he can. And, and especially with the rise of Fabio and then Pecco and some of these guys are, are getting better and better. Joanne Mir was your champ last year. You know, Renz, all those guys can challenge on any given weekend. And I just think if you add Marquez and the chaos that he brings to a series, man, we could have some all-time great races to watch. So that's it for this week. I know that that MotoGP analysis there was super extensive and really in-depth, and you're welcome for that. But I just wanted to touch on it. I watched the race this morning. It's a pretty exciting uh, morning of of MotoGP. The race wasn't all that exciting. Fabio kind of dominated. But I do love MotoGP, and uh, yeah, give me weekends of Formula One, MotoGP, MXGP, and Super, or excuse me, Motocross. I don't. I might have some sort of sensory overload, and you just start start seeing smoke come out of my ears. So, my next little bit, I will be at Thunder Valley. Uh, I will not be at uh, Mount Morris, and then I am going to begin my little MXGP. Uh, career jaunt over there. I'm going to help out with the uh, the television crew. Paul Malin is nice enough to let me in and uh, opine a little bit with him. So that'll be exciting later this summer. But yeah, we got a, we got a lot of racing, both on-road and off-road upcoming and uh, looking forward to it. So thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, to listening to those commercials. I do appreciate it. And the uh, all the sponsors appreciate it as well. We'll talk to you next week. See you.